0: Welcome, counselors, to our interview series of interesting people Greg, Jack, and I think you should know more about. Today, I sit down with the Portland, Oregon artist, Anna Duval. She's a friend of the pod and is a fan of our show. She is definitely someone who lives her art, which we believe is some of the best art coming out of Portland, Oregon today. I strongly suggest you check out her artwork on Instagram at Anna Nuts. You won't be disappointed. I hope you enjoy this talk with Anna as much as I did welcome bad council nation i'm super happy we we are doing a a special spotlight on anna duvall so anna duvall anna you go by anna duvall you go by anna d you go by anna d anna d's nuts right Uh, i go by the german vermin
1: yeah. So, uh, that welcome. It's my alter ego.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have a ton of names that you can go with, wh- yes. whatever you're feeling. Uh, some that right?
1: I can't even imagine here. Some nicknames that are like not cool for TV.
0: <laughs> Anna is a visual artist. She's an illustrator. She's a cocktail waitress extraordinaire. <laughs> also, I guess highlighting as a uh, cashier at Rite Aid right now. Yeah.
1: Moonlighting as a cashier at Rite Aid. Uh, thanks COVID. Word up COVID. Thank you. Yeah. 2020 for the epic fail. <laughs>
0: Now, uh, Anna, we wanted you on the show because your artwork is stunning. I, there's, there's no other way to describe it. I, I think we're going to try to get into that, and we'll be definitely putting some of the artwork up on our Instagram channel so people can check it out. Thank you. Before I get to the artwork, I think it'd be great to start with your roots. You're, you're a very grounded person. From the time that I've had the chance to get to know you, you're very rooted and grounded, yet your history is one of a lot of movement. So maybe you could take our listeners through just a little history about how you got to Portland and and have become such an important part of the Portland art scene.
1: (laughs) Oh man, Uh, I was born in Berlin, Germany in 1982, and um, my mother married an American. We moved to Michigan, and then I ended up growing up in Hawaii, in Maui, Hawaii. And I honestly started drawing as a way to fit in because I was a Holly girl in Hawaii. um, I didn't fit in. If you're not Hawaiian, presenting, if you're not don't have brown hair and brown eyes, you don't fit in. And I started drawing as a way to make friends.
0: When you say holly, is that a, is that an island term?
1: Um, it just means white person in Hawaii.
0: And just since this is an audio podcast, you have blonde hair and green eyes. Talk about not fitting in. That must have been tough as a kid.
1: Yeah, I stood out like a sore thumb the public library had an art class and it was, uh, free, they offered free art classes every Tuesday and there was one that was graffiti art. And so I learned how to do graffiti lettering and I loved it. So I would draw like, like Keolani loves David or whatever, for the girls and boys in my, in my elementary school and intermediate, and they'd start paying me like 50 cents a dollar. And that was the first art I ever sold was doing graffiti letters.
0: Most, most artists never make money on their art. You're making money on your art in eighth grade.
1: I mean, yeah, it, I, I, th- Started making money off art like that, but I was, I'm a, I was always like trying to make money out any way I could. Like, I remember my grandma in Michigan sent me Barbies and I sold them with my mom. She was selling stuff at the swap meet and I didn't even take them out of the box. I'd sell them. I feel like the hustle's always been kind of strong in me. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and, and you totally didn't buy into the whole Barbie thing either, obviously.
1: No, I was like, this, this is pointless. Like, plus I was living in Hawaii. So if I wanted to do something, I could just go outside, try to surf with my brother. I was never into dolls.
0: You know, one of the pers- one of the folks that you've mentioned a few other times in a few other places has been John Soto. Is that am I saying the name right? Your your teacher.
1: Oh, John Soto. So she was my art teacher in high school. Amazing lady. So so all the Hawley kids went to a, a private school called Sleeberry Hall. My parents couldn't afford it. So um, I went to the public school that was in my district, which was called Kinke Kaulike. It was a terrible school. Like it was still under construction. I, I hated it. And I heard of Baldwin High, which was downtown, and I heard they had a good art program, and I had really gotten into sketching. I mean, I'd drawn my whole life, but I'd really, was like, I heard of this school is better, this public school is better. Convinced my mom to take me down there, and we needed a district exception. Like, you couldn't go to a public school that was out of your district. So this one was downtown, and we lived in upcountry. So my mom took me down to see Masato, and my mom said, my daughter's really good at art in her broken English, because she was German and... Jan Sato, being the gangster she is, was like, everyone thinks their kids are the best at everything. Like, (laughs) she's like, she's basically like, your kid's good at art, prove it. So I produced my sketchbook. Jan looks through it. She's like, this is really great. She's like, have you ever painted anything? And I go, no, but I want to learn. And she's like, thinking, thinking. She's like, I'll teach you. I got a district exception to go downtown to Baldwin High, which was also public school, but a better one. Jan Sato taught me everything. She taught me self-confidence. She told me to get a job when I was like 15, as soon as I could. She just helped me in every aspect of my life. I was struggling like just to fit in. I was struggling with an eating disorder and she completely, she just gave me self-confidence and she entered me in every art contest under the sun. She got me a Sterling scholarship to go to um, California College of Arts and Crafts, which I dropped out of because I didn't like, but um, that might be for next question. I don't know. (laughs) But Jan Sato, props, she was amazing. She, she worked as a waitress too on the side of teaching because everyone knows they don't pay public school teachers anything and they should.
0: <laughs> Does she know that she had this level of impact on you?
1: Yeah, we still, we don't, I don't talk to her as much as I said, but she still calls me and asks me how I'm doing. And she doesn't have social media, which I feel like, I feel like if she did, I'd be more in contact with her, but. I didn't learn anything after high school. She taught me, I use bright orange in the background of all my paintings. And she, while she didn't do art herself, she researched all these um, techniques and the one, you know, I, I learned so much about silk screening or like I put bright orange in all my paintings. And she was the one who was like, oh, I know it's a technique. It makes your paintings pop. And so I still, every painting that I do has bright orange spray paint in the background. And I learned that in high school. I don't feel like I learned anything really in college that, could trump what I learned in high school from Misato as far as art goes.
0: So Jan has had this impact on you that, that you were starting to develop um, at a very young age, your, your own voice. And when I say that, your, your own style.
1: Exactly. Um, and I feel like she taught me to like, if you're going to do anything, have a style. Like think about Nike. You know what you're getting when you buy a pair of Nikes. You're not just getting like the swoosh, but you're getting the style that you know that that shoe has. I feel like anything you do in life, like if someone's buying art from me, they know what what style they're going to get. Like the worst thing you can do is be wishy washy with anything. Like even if you're at an intersection with a car, the worst thing you do is hesitate. Be distinct with your style, be precise with your style. That's the end all, I think, with art or with anything, you know? Just find a style that you love and stick to it. Not that money is everything, but if you're trying to make a name or money, like people need to know what they're getting when they. It's like when you go to McDonald's, you know exactly what you're getting when you order an egg, McMuff- an egg McMuffin, like you don't have to think twice about it. Like you want that flavor, that's what you're getting. I think inconsistency can really kill any kind of business or art or anything, you know?
0: You're using a lot of commercial terms, but your artwork really doesn't it doesn't come across as something that is commercial. In fact, the subjects that you choose to paint or that you choose to illustrate, the subjects of your artwork are people who are real, who are authentic, that you actually use the term anti-Barbie. Why is authenticity so important to you in your work?
1: I feel like a lot of it comes from living in Portland. I feel like the ideal of beauty here is totally different from like, no hate on Pamela Anderson or any LA girls, but like the girls here are way more curvy. They are tattooed. They are a little more edgy. I feel like I want to capture that kind of beauty you know, I hate the way that Instagram is making all girls kind of... There's girls getting surgery to look like that Instagram standard of beauty. They're like raising their eyes or like... And I love the way Portland... The girls are like, I don't give a fuck if you think I'm hot or not. I'll show my job. I'll show my tattoos. I'll have a buzzed head. Like, and I want to capture... I feel like if I see a girl that I feel like is just living her true self, I want to take a picture of her and paint her, you know, just the way someone like nature photography or something, I just like to capture the uniquely beautiful women of Portland. There's nothing more beautiful than like not giving a fuck what anyone thinks. I mean, you know what I mean? like, <laughs> if you're comfortable in your own skin, to me, that is beautiful. And I want to capture that. And so I'll, I'll go through, I'll take pictures of, of girls in real life. I paint a lot of my friends who I just think are badasses. I'll, I painted Victoria and Mary Jane and like, all these girls that I think are just awesome and then also I'll scroll through people's Instagram and you know screenshot if I think of pho- I would work from photos everyone has this like type, like idea that a romantic idea that I'm they're going to pose for me or something and I'm like no 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 I, I actually work from photos and I definitely stylize it photorealism is cool but I would say if you want photorealism just take a picture you <laughs> know prop those artists who can pull that off it's amazing I'm bowing down to them but yeah, I, I definitely stylize the photo, but I've le- learned you know what, what I like to paint, what I don't. And sometimes people hit me with a photo and I'm like, that just won't make a good painting. I'm sorry. Send me something else. And they'll get offended and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want the cheesy smile. I don't want the posed shit. No, I don't want that at all. Like I want the kind of candid, kind of like you don't even know someone was taking a photo of you and you're chugging a PBR yeah, in your halter top. Done. I'm painting it.
0: <laughs> there is a Portland flavor to the work that you do.
1: Cool. Thank you. That's a high compliment.
0: How did you land in Portland?
1: I got a scholarship out of high school to go to California College of Arts and Crafts, which is now just called California College of Art because craft sounds too hippie. So they changed the name. So I went there. I really had not a good experience at the school. I feel like the teachers were just like, that's great. That's great. And I was paying so much money. And I realized in order to continue at the school, I'd have to work like five jobs. I wouldn't have time to ever do art. And I was ready to move back home to Hawaii to go to University of Hawaii. Just felt like my hands were tied with how expensive. This was the year 2000. So San Francisco was like the dot-com boom. Like you couldn't even rent a closet for $1,000 a month, literally. And uh, I was working in a coffee shop with this girl. And she was like, yo, she's like, you should move to Oregon. It's a cheaper version of California. You totally love it. Go to Yovo. You know, everyone's cool. They smoke weed. I'm not a big smoker, but like, she's like, everyone's chill there. I'm from Oregon. She's like, move there. And so I looked into University of Oregon application It was the same exact as University of Hawaii because they're on like the Western undergraduate exchange. They're the same kind of school. So I literally just copied and pasted my application into U of O and I got accepted. And I went like sight unseen. I had my like giant Apple, like those computers with the big red desktop thing and some clothes moved to Oregon it rained its ass off. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I moved to the armpit of the world. What did I do? It rained and I mean it rains in Oregon, everyone else, but like I did not realize like what was I what was it getting into. Uh studied graphic design and uh started working at Dairy Queen and that's when I really started hanging out with a kind of a group of skateboarders, entering art into the thrasher magazine contest. The more I worked, the more I realized, why am I going to college? Like I can make money doing whatever. Like the biggest lie I was told was that I needed some fancy degree or some fancy job to make ends meet. I'm like, as long as I hustle and work hard. And so by the end of college, I was like paying people to finish my projects. And I was waiting tables and working at Dairy Queen full time, you know, decorating cakes, managing the Dairy Queen at the end. So I don't know. So that's how I ended up in Oregon. And then by the time I was like 20, when did I quit? 22 and a half. I was like, I feel like everyone in Eugene was like, the next thing was to move to Portland. Like everyone was moving to Portland. And I decided I'm going to move to Portland and paint beautiful women and figure it out. I had no other plan. And I feel like I'm still doing that. And so even if I feel like nothing extraordinary has happened, at least I I set a goal and I achieved it. I'm like, that was my plan and I did it.
0: Uh, uh, There's another influence um, in your life. And and, and I I know this because Frida Kahlo is actually tattooed on your upper right arm.
1: I know you can't see it because oh, it's a podcast
0: <laughs> well when when our listeners go check out your your Instagram feed, they will they'll actually be able to see it. Sweet. but learning about Frida Kahlo, um I, she she's an iconic figure. I, I I recognize the face, but I didn't really know about the woman. And I learned about uh, her history. I learned about the pain that she suffered throughout life. yeah, and I also was surprised to learn that she also has German roots
1: <laughs> yeah, her dad was German. Frida's Papa war Deutsch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I assume you said her dad's yeah. Sermon, yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> That's how we get I'll
1: <laughs> we'll switch to English now, don't worry.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, you know, be authentic, be yourself, right? But then I started to look at her artwork in a different way, right? And so I had been, you know, I was very well aware of your artwork for the last few years, um, obviously yeah. through Greg.
1: Props to Greg.
0: Props to Greg. That's right. If we have some time, we'll find out about Greg's drink order. He's very specific about his drink orders. Talk to me about the influence that Frida's had on you as an artist.
1: I feel like I, I've always liked Frida's artwork for the story that each painting told. Like when you can see like the nails hold, holding her open chest with her heart showing, like I always felt like it's like her art is like when there's a song that you hear and it You're like, this song is talking about my life right now. Like when you really relate to a song, that's how I feel like her art is to me. But then when I saw the movie of her life, I was like, oh my God, her art is cool, but the who she is as a person is so much stronger and cooler. Like I almost became more obsessed with like her as a person. Like she went through physical pain. She lived with this asshole husband who treated her like shit, was an artist in his own right, but then she ended up becoming way more famous than him. She was married to Diego Rivera in case the reference was lost to people or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I became way more fascinated with how strong she was as a person. And I'm like, if Frida can do it, I I wanna do it. Like and I wanted her on my arm as like you're not supposed to say spirit animal anymore. People say it's not PC coming from Portland, everything's not PC anymore. But I feel like in a sense that I wanted her there. And ever since I had her tattooed, I feel like my art career like Clearly, I'm still waiting tables, so nothing crazy has happened. But like, I feel like everything got a lot... I became a lot more successful in art after having her tattooed there. And the tattoo, which you can't see because this is a podcast, but it's a drawing I did on the back of a linen order from Jake's, where I worked, the restaurant I worked. And I drew this drawing, and I started selling prints. Because I was like, I used to do these drawings at, at the bar after work and just throw them away. I drew Frida, a partner of Frida, and people were like, you should sell that. And this print of this drawing is like, I guess if there's a flagship of my art brand, quote unquote, Frida would be it. I've sold more copies of this Frida drawing than anything.
0: I was looking at artwork and I thought, how do I, how do I describe your artwork?
1: Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it myself. Like People are like, what style is it? I'm like...
0: <laughs> I, 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 So I'm going to tell you what I felt um when I when I saw it and, and how I interpreted it. To me, there's this very cool nineteen forties pinup girl feel to it. Yeah,
1: so like that with- you said pinup. I love I love pin up. Like I love that you said that.
0: <laughs> so, so do I. Uh that's probably why I was able to pick up on that. There's a very strong skater ethos to it. And so when you talked about working yeah. at Dairy Queen and having that skater feel to it. And that there's, there's some grittiness to it.
1: Lost my virginity to a skater, followed, uh, like read all the Thrasher magazines, watched all the videos. I mean, skateboarding is art as well. And I love their bad, at, like their bad attitudes that they had and just their, their aesthetic of the way they lived their life. And so, yeah, there is a, wow, you nailed it. There's like a really heavy pinup skater influence in my art.
0: There is, right? Mm-hmm. So then I noticed the color, right? So the color, so that Frida uh that influ that that brightness mm-hmm. that she would bring into her artwork. I see that in your artwork.
1: My nails, yeah, <laughs> I always love bright <laughs>
0: <Your> na- <laughs> yep um and then uh there's also a um just that gritty authentic uh there's a street feel to it that doesn't seem commercial, and that's why I kind of reacted to some of your commercial when you're talking a little commercial commercial stuff earlier is that it's it 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 doesn't have that commercial feel to it. And then to top it all off, the fact that you use resin, right? Which is obviously in skateboarding culture, resin is is just essential, right? On, on the yeah. boards, um, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and let's not forget, Thrasher magazine uh, selected one of your. Did you uh, decorate an envelope, right? Envelope of the. <laughs>
1: That's a funny story. I entered envelope of the month, which you draw on an envelope, and this was my, during my Dairy Queen days. If they liked your envelope, they printed it in the Thrasher magazine. And I was mainly just trying to like, impress the skater dude that I was hooking up with or whatever. So, so my intentions weren't pure. I was like, I wanted to be in Thrasher to like get, get some clout. You know what I mean? Get some action. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway I, got, I got in three separate times, actually. They sent me like a hat, but they print the drawing with the envelope with the return address on it. So you would not believe how much jail so mail getting- I got comics <laughs> like i was only in for like a misdemeanor i like really didn't mean to kill this person like wow of your art they sent me their own art it was like and they wanted me to write back and i wrote back to a couple of them and i realized i couldn't keep up with this i still keep i still have a giant packet of this jail mail which was a random result of having my address printed in Thrasher magazine. And a lot of these guys were really funny, good artists, you know, having my art printed gave me like more confidence to be like, Oh, people really like my style, you know? So kept me, kept me going on that front,
0: especially if they're criminals, right? If, if they've committed crimes, they're really going to like your artwork, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly. And like, I feel like in a weird sense, I was like, Oh, if dudes like my art, then even cooler. Like I'm a chick who is in fact, I heard at Momos, a bar, I should give props to Momos too, as the first art show I really ever had that they, I put it up in 2006 and they never took it down. So it was like kind of having a live website of my art was Momos Bar Maximo, downtown Portland. Shout out to Tittle, the owner of the bar he's read. People would come in and they'd ask who did the art at Momos and they'd say, oh, Duval." Duvall. They're like, oh, that sounds like a girl's name. And uh, they're like, yeah, she's a girl. And they're like, oh, and I like that. In a, in a weird sense, I was like, "Oh, it's cool that people think a guy did this. like I, it, I don't even know why I was going for that look, but you know, like painting a female as a female almost in the male gaze, but like having her be in control at the same time.
0: yeah, there's there's definitely a sexual component to um, to a lot of
1: but I feel like they're not I, I, I feel, and I hope this comes across. That the women i paint are not victims in any case So like i'm hot and i know it and i'm out here like eat it and like it you know and uh one of the best compliments i love the the reason that momos comes up again and i love having my art all over the walls and i sold happy hour art which is my mini prints down the side of the wall i used to throw them away and then i mounted them on wood covered them in resin and sold them for first 10 bucks and then as Inflation happened. Twenty five bucks was my happy hour art, art price, and people could just buy him right off the wall. Add them to their bar tab. Again, props to Thomas at Momo Siddle, the owner. He's and he never charged commission. He has helped me just as much as Jan Sato. I want to say at this point, I loved being sitting at the bar because it was right next to the restaurant I worked at. So I'd always go after work and hearing people talking about my art without them knowing I was there. Like I got the best opinions. I heard like this kind of like, I don't want to say she, probably butch lesbian, like no offense against them, but yeah, she was like her art would make such a better feminist statement. If she didn't use so much glitter, you know, and I, I'm sitting here like shutting my ma- mouth, like who says I'm trying to make a feminist statement, you know, like I've never, that was never my intention, but, but good to know. Okay. Not as much glitter for the feminist statement. And then I heard like a, well, like a white-collar business looking guy, probably a lawyer, talking to his guy friend. They're both in suits. They're drinking like whatever the fanciest thing at Momo's was. is, was like Johnny Walker Black or something. He's like, I feel like this woman, this artist captures what these girls like most about themselves. And I was like, oh, like orgasm. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, he nailed it. Like, like if she has big boobs, I emphasize those. If she has i I'm like, she's her lips are what her look is, or her tattoos, or whatever, or her big, beautiful personality. Like, I was like, wow, he nailed it. Like, and he was it's totally doesn't look like an art guy, doesn't look like, you know. So I, I think I ended up tapping on the shoulder and being like, oh, can I buy you a drink? Like, I know this artist. And oh, that's totally- great. You
0: didn't <laughs> even say who it was, you, you just said, I know the yeah. artist.
1: I feel like a lot of times the bartender would be like, oh, you're talking to her, or whatever. Like, people, like, I would hate to bring that. Sometimes I just have a long day at work and I just wanted to talk to my tequila. I loved eavesdropping to, cause you get real opinions. If people know that's what your art is, they're going to give you like a sugar coated. Oh yeah, it's great. You know? But like, I love the honest opinions, whether they were good or bad. Like
0: did that change how you would approach a painting? In other words, did you take this criticism and, and um, like
1: the glitter thing?
0: Yeah. Did, did, did it no, change?
1: I kept, I put more glitter. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I was like, okay, double the glitter next painting. <laughs> And I use nail polish on a lot of my paintings. That's also a little life hack for all you artist people out there. Nail polish is like nail polish and ultra glow. I just gave my secret away, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I don't think if I had nail polish and ultra glow that I'd be able to recreate it. So I don't, I don't think a lot of people could go and recreate what you've done just because they have the same materials. Believe
1: Exactly. Me. And I, I feel like, especially in Portland, like the art scene is so inclusive. Uh, i mean pre-covid now there's like no art shows or anything going on but like everyone like i try to help victoria out when i get a show i'm like hey be part of the show like my friend ace troy he'd be like i feel like i've heard in other cities like new york and florida with like art basil or basil or whatever it's called um i feel like they're way more like clicky and like oh me, me me for myself but i feel like portland everyone's just like homies like the more people into an into a scene the better you know so i felt only love from portland for art and i hope that continues after COVID, or god knows after this the season finale of this shit show that is 2020 who knows nine more days people <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> right. <her> belts. <laughs> so one of the things that um i'm hearing you say is that again we talk about you know you're you're a punky little eighth grader selling, yeah. you know, graffiti uh, writing for couples that like each other, and you're. um, But there's this. It sounds like you've not. You've decided not to cash in authenticity. Like you, it, it sounds like you're saying, "Hey, I'm. I'm going to make this work.
1: Exactly. And I'm going
0: to make it work my way.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do. I feel like as I get older, starting over my words, I've learned how to say no a lot more. Like, no, I don't want to paint your landscape. Like, I paint beautiful women or beautiful men in an exception but like this is what I want to do and I'm going to stick to it and if you want me to do something way out of my wheelhouse you're going to have to pay me a lot of money like I feel like saying no has been the best thing I've learned in my now that I'm in my late 30s um, yeah I, I don't know I hope I'm being authentic yeah I, I paint I paint what I love to paint and if you want me to paint your grandkids or something yeah, yeah that's going to cost you extra like <laughs> because I also feel like I have so many other interests, like I love art, but I love to go running. I love, I love to work. I always have two or three jobs and art is just one of the many things I love. So if you want me to do something, pay me for my time and I think everyone should be paid for the time, no matter what they do. You know, even podcasting. <laughs> I right. You guys are yeah.
0: I'm not good. Get- we're not getting paid. Nope. Uh, we're doing ah. this because we love it. Right. Yeah. And, and we're, we're making decisions specifically to stay true to what we want to do is we want people to laugh Yeah. and, um, you know, have fun with it. And that's, you know, that, that's the whole,
1: yeah. I guess I love art, but I only have a finite amount of time to do. And, uh, sometimes I get super aggro doing too many commissions in a row and I'm like, I just want to paint something that I want to paint now, you know?
0: Yeah. So how, I mean, you, you are, um, pretty prolific. And you you do artworks all different sizes, and um, you you always seem to have an inventory. How how do you keep up? Such a I mean, you work in three jobs. You uh, you know you're putting Ew. out a bunch of paint. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, two jobs. Sorry, two jobs. Correct. Uh, one's on on break from COVID. Um, so, but how do you how do you stay so prolific and do all this other stuff that you like?
1: I think it's because I have OCD, and so I need you know idle hands on the devil's playground, like. I always have to be doing something. And I feel like when I was in high school, they tried to put me on medication for this OCD thing. And <laughs> I just was like a zombie that didn't want to do anything. And I'm like, I'm going to take this and run with it. Like why does mental illness always have to have like a negative connotation? Like this just means I have a ton of energy. I just love many things. Grateful that I can go running every day and work. And that just like to feel accomplished. I like to feel like I have somewhere that someone needs me to be somewhere to clock in. Like I got somewhere on time. I like the adrenaline rush. I'm always running late, but I always kind of make it like five minutes around the time. Yeah. But I, but I always feel like I'm not doing enough. Maybe that's a German thing. I always feel like, Oh my God, I'm such a slow poke. I'm sorry. It took so long. I feel like I produce a crazy amount of stuff, but I always feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I've kept a journal since I was 18. And the one main theme in my journal has been like, I'm taking too long doing this, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like I have like a Catholic schoolgirl sense of guilt, but I don't even know where it comes from. Being an artist, I'm happy to have, I'm never bored, you know? There's only so much Instagram you can look at. There's, I feel like if I'm awake in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, I can always paint. And even with the pandemic happening, I felt so blessed because I like to run and I like to draw and paint. So I had something to do even in total lockdown all the time. And I feel like a lot of other people maybe didn't have like an outlet like that, that they could do when bars were closed, when everything, the world was closed, you know? So I was like, I'm so blessed to have something that I can do no matter what, you know, I can, as long as I have a pair of shoes, I can run as, I can even paint with soy sauce if I ran under everything else. Like, you know, as long, it, like I could do this, these two things that I love in a zombie apocalypse and I could still do them. Like all things, all the other things taken out, I can still do art. I can still run. And I'm super stoked on that for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, You you seem very positive. Like (laughs) I've actually witnessed you overcoming several difficulties, just getting onto this podcasting uh, into the podcasting studio and you continue to come with just enthusiasm and (laughs) um, you know, it's, it's great. It's refreshing to be around. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It, so. Yeah,
1: I feel like the more, sh- like, so much shitty stuff has happened to me in my life, the more shitty stuff that happens, I feel like the more I can laugh it off and be like, I've already dealt with this pain. This will hurt till something else hurts worse, and I know it, and and tequila, and we're good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, tequila is your drink of choice, yeah, is that true? it's like my
1: anti-anxiety medicine. It was also Fida Kahlo's okay. drink of choice, but that was that's like... <laughs> what is it called? That's not, I didn't start drinking tequila because of Frida. Like it was already. In-
0: right, right. Serendipity or yeah, coincidence that's not a, or. That is, yeah.
1: is, is, is a coincidence. Not. It's
0: not it is a coincidence. Right. Tequila. It was, you didn't say, Oh, Frida drinks it. I'm going to start drinking it. You were like, yeah,
1: no, I was already on that train. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it yeah. is, it is interesting how your lives have intertwined in certain ways. Yeah. And you know, the fact that you just, you know, you, you have her portrait on that you painted. On your body. Um, and, you know, um, tattoos yeah. are really important to you. I, I noticed that in your work, uh, tattoos are very prominent, that tattoos are, are very important. And it seems like your subjects really want to make sure it's important as well.
1: Amen. I even add, um, I paint my friends and I'll add tattoos that I feel like, w- even if they're not tattooed, that would mean something to them. Like, say they have a favorite cat, I'll do like a cat on. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'll add tattoos even when they're not present. If everything works out right, I'll go to tattoo school in March. If you know the world doesn't end, and yeah, I've always always been fascinated by tattoos. Um, I always say they're the only thing I love that'll never leave me. You know, and whether they're, I have silly tattoos that I got while I was drunk in Chicago. I got a you know candy because keep it sweet. I have really meaningful tattoos. My brother passed away, so one of them has his ashes in the tattoo.
0: It actually, in the tattoo. Hmm is this your only brother yeah he's who you would surf with when you're a kid or you would try to
1: yeah no i would drown and he would surf oh (laughs) god yeah he got more into bodyboarding later which is yeah boogie boarding he definitely taught me like you know always keep doing things that scare you or the second you stop doing things that scare you you start dying so like that's why i'm like i'm so scared of this podcast i'm gonna do it for kai he was a rad guy
0: well there's a there's a beautiful portrait of kai that you have on your instagram feed yeah uh, with a beautiful wave behind him,
1: that's Kai. He loved the ocean. Kai actually means ocean in Hawaii, really? So name yeah, yeah.
0: Now was he born in Hawaii?
1: He was born in Michigan. Uh, yeah, so my parents moved to Michigan for a second. Then my dad got a job in Hawaii.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they named him a Hawaiian name, or was that just a coincidence? Yeah,
1: actually, it's interesting because both the names Anna and Kai, while well, they were German names. So Kai, it's a name given to males born in Germany near the shore. So there's an ocean, cor- like a correlation with ocean. Anna is just a name that kind of, it's Russian, it's Spanish, it's German, it's Anna in American. So my name is kind of generic, but Kai is a German name given to um, sons born near the ocean or whatever, randomly moved to Hawaii and Kai, K-A-I, is also a Hawaiian name. And it literally means salt water. Vi with a W means um, fresh water. Kai means salt water. Wow! Yeah. So that was just like a coincidence.
0: <laughs> now, did Kai like your work? Did he see the, the, you in the work?
1: <laughs> did Kai what now? Did Kai,
0: did, did Kai really appreciate the authenticity of your work? Was he able to see, as your brother, was he able to see
1: yeah, uh, you
0: as an artist and that truly coming out? I mean,
1: we art? hate each other growing up, but as we like dealt with life in our twenties, we became very close friends and I feel like we were each other's biggest cheerleaders. So like, that's what I miss the most is like, I want to text him today and be like, I'm going to be on a podcast. Cause he'd be like, Oh my God, you know, and he had like parts in movies and he was doing modeling and fitness training. So he, I feel like he motivated me in a sense where he just thought anything was possible. He's like, why don't you just email Nike and get your arm on a shoe? I'm like, you can't just like email Nike. And he, was kind of a jack of all trades and he was also really good at art but from an early age I kind of I don't know why I just did art more and sort of did more contests and stuff so he got more insecure about art started getting more into surfing and doing other things and so the tattoo I have on my arm with his ashes he'd always send me art that he did and I'm like hi this is so good like don't doubt yourself so the last text he sent me was a, a picture of his two cats um with happy birthday, Kristen for his wife. He's like, does this card look okay? And I'm like, oh my God, it looks amazing. And, uh, that was the last text that he ever sent me before he passed. So I got it tattooed on my arm. Uh,
0: that's on your left arm.
1: Um, with his ashes in it. And yeah. The
0: ashes are actually in the it's ink. Like oh,
1: in this. Yeah. Kai, it says Kai yeah. forever. Yeah. Two cats. It's a, it's kind of a weird memorial tattoo, but it's the last text that he ever sent me like totally transcribed into a tattoo. So, but yeah, he was, with art, he was my biggest cheerleader for sure. He'd always be like, Dude. he'd be encouraging me to do stuff. And I'd tell him like, I can't do that. That's not possible. And he's like, anything's possible. So I feel like if he was still alive, I'd probably have a Nike shoe by now. Or something. <laughs> but uh, whatever.
0: Well, clearly he had an impact on you, uh, you know, as, as an artist, let alone as a, as a brother and as a friend and yeah. as someone who's supporting you. But the fact that, you know, I think anybody who's in a creative endeavor like doing that stuff, there's that vulnerability, right? That you, you put yourself out there and, you know, it's interesting how you deal with that in terms of listening to people talk about your work and they don't know you're there. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have that, you have, uh, other, other people that were giving you the encouragement that you needed. And I think that's wonderful. And I, I think it's a great memorial to him. And I, I didn't know you could even put ashes into the ink. So that- Well, it's not exactly
1: <laughs> legal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, Understood. right?
0: <laughs> right, right, exactly. Now, you have had some commercial success with your artwork. And, and I, I noticed that now you've come out with a new line of t-shirts of uh, actually yes. the COVID masks. So, you know, way to, way to play the market there. Thanks to my
1: friend, Hannah, my running buddy. She was like, do masks. And I was like, yes, masks are the masks are the new phone case, like mask on a new fashion accessory like everyone needs.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Is it true that you, you actually will do... Works of art on people's phone cases? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of a kind? Yeah,
1: um, I can do one of a kind, or someone can pick an art that, like, artwork I've already done and I'll personalize. Yeah, but I'll definitely personalize. I usually put XOXO. It's kind of been my signature. I don't even know where that came from. Gossip Girl? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I started as a joke. Right. <laughs> I edit that out. No, just <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'll usually put. The, an artwork piece of art that I've done. I do all my printing through Office Depot. So I'll print it the same size as a phone case and I'll put like their initials usually and I'll put XO and then put their initials or whatever they want, actually. I haven't done those in a while. Masks are definitely more in demand now. Yeah.
0: Uh, once 2021 comes and we don't need the masks anymore, then you'll go back.
1: Yeah, there, and please. as far as commercial success, I feel like um, I should give props to Boneyard. Um, they, like, I feel like are my biggest, if I can like, show off to anyone, like, what have I done for art? I'll be like, oh, I've done the chap handles for Boneyard. Not all of them, disclaimer. But uh, I worked at Dairy Clean with a lovely young woman who was already making her own wine in the kitchen while she was supposed to be working. What? She was just an amazing woman, went to a brewing school in California, ended up brewing for Oakshire and then for Ninkasi.
0: Great brewers. And then met...
1: Huh? You hate brewers?
0: No, great breweries. Yeah, oh, no. I
1: thought you said you hate brewers. What? We can't be friends. <laughs> yes, no, oh, the great breweries. Nkasi like,
0: is amazing. I
1: know. She brewed the Robles Red for them. Wow. I met a young man working there, and they ended up getting together. And he got a job at Boneyard and kind of took – they went together to, to Bend, Oregon. Went to Boneyard. I had no idea that she left Nkasi. And one day – I was busy. I was working at – um Jake's and Patty's this Irish pub. And I was like super busy just one day off a week. And Dana, who was the girl I worked with at Dairy Queen, who was the brewer, she calls me and she's like, so I've kind of involved you in this bet with my boss, um, at Boneyard Brewing. And I'm like, you work at Boneyard? Like what's going on? And she's like, are you busy right now? And I'm like, kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of got stuff going on. And she's like, well, uh, he needs his portrait on this tap handle. And if you can do it better than the artist he has going, then you're, you'll get, I don't know, $200, and you'll be on a tap handle. And I had no, the money, I was like, whatever. But I was like, oh, my art will be on a tap handle. Because, like, sometimes, like, exposure is way more worth than money, you know? And so I had to do a portrait of her boss, so I literally looked at pictures of him online, and I did the portrait. And I guess the rest is history with Boneyard. I guess I won the said contest or it wasn't really a contest but yeah but yeah i've done a couple tap handles for them their 10 9 and 10 year anniversary art like halloween posters and i feel like that's my most ex- oh my art is on one of their beer cans incredible pulp which to me was like the coolest thing i've ever seen like my own art on a beer can i was like mind blown like okay i could die happy now <laughs> Cause I don't like beer or anything. <laughs> Just I love beer. I love beer.
0: <laughs> it is. Uh, it's so cool. It's, it's a, uh, it's a really good beer wrap. Like, uh, you know, looking at that, I'd actually seen that before I knew it was you that did it. Um, and I thought, wow, that's, that's very cool. And
1: yeah, I'd hardly heard of Boneyard when this whole thing started in 2016 and they've, they've really blown mm-hmm. up on their own accord too. So props to uh, Tony and Dana at Boneyard. If you're listening. <laughs> Much
0: love. It's well and it's a tough I mean it, for people who don't know Oregon, I mean, the, the craft beer game, you have to bring it. If and and the artwork now yeah. I think is and boneyard up, and so it's is great. Rad that where
1: can, he they use a lot of local artists to put on their tap handles and yeah. Just props like to him, John Sato, Tony John Sato Momo's, Low Brow is at another bar near my house that hangs a lot of my art. And props to Jen at Lowbrow.
0: Where can people see your artwork? We've been talking about your artwork for an hour.
1: Talking the big game.
0: Uh, hour plus. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's amazing. And I just, I want people, if they're following us on Instagram with Bad Counsel, they'll see some. Greg's going to put some of that up. I'll put some of it up on Twitter. Yeah. But, you know, where where would you send our listeners to go see your work?
1: Primarily Instagram. I used to have a website. I was getting no traffic through it. So at the Ds Nuts. A N N A D E E Z N um, U T Z.
0: Now, where the hell did that name come from?
1: <laughs> well, uh, so my name is Anna Duvall, and I've worked in restaurants since I was like 14. So I ended up working at Jake's, and there was like Anna D, or there was, there was an Anna and two Annas and Annie. So people used to just like pass me and be like, you, what, you know? So I started going by my last initial, Anna D, and it stuck. One of the kitchen guys, I don't know who it was. I can't even give him credit because I. It was so long ago. He goes Anna D. He's like as in Anna D's nuts, (laughs) and I was like, okay. And then they like stuck. Ever since then, everyone's like Anna D's nuts, like, or then they just call me D's nuts or nuts or like it. Like it just stuck. And I remember I had an art show at a bar named Swift Lounge, and I didn't have Instagram. And this girl, I just became obsessed with her style. She was like a female MC. Lily, Sagatha Christie, she's red. And uh, we became friends and uh, she's like, you don't have an Instagram? She, got, she gets on my phone and she sets up my Instagram without even asking me. And she's like, you need a catchy name. And I'm like, I don't have a catchy name. And she's like, like a nickname. And I'm like, like on a nuts. And she's like, holy shit. She's like, if this isn't taken, that is the best Instagram handle. I love it. On, on Instagram, um, on tap handles in some places in Oregon, you can buy... Boneyard, Incredible Pulp, Blood Orange Pale Ale and see my art on the can. Um, I'm working on some art for donut Orama uh, for their cold brew label. But yeah, I guess just my Instagram. I'm, I'm super lame like that.
0: It's great. So they can see your stuff there. Yeah. It's there. We've got listeners around the world and Instagrams around the world. So that's great. And then you, I think you've got a link to, there's a, there's an interview with you on YouTube that's pretty cool. So they can kind of see you Um, actually interacting, um, maybe in a video format, which, you know, this is just audio. Uh, Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for fighting through all the technical issues to be a part of this.
1: Yeah. I'm just so happy to be on a podcast that I really like listening to. Um, you and Caller Daddy, you have to edit that out because it's a different podcast.
0: (laughs) You know what? Much like what you talked about, the, the uh, Portland, Oregon art scene, yeah. podcasting is the same way. All these independent podcasts, we really look out for each other. And um, I mean, that's a big one. That's Barstool Sports and stuff like that. And yes. A lot of fun, but- and he raised
1: all this money for restaurants, which I think is bomb. Um, and podcasts links to my art because I love to listen to podcasts while I'm painting. And you guys made me laugh so hard I dropped my paintbrush one time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was like, I love when I'm literally like listening to you guys and I laugh out loud. I'm like, well, <laughs> like
0: we try, <laughs> we try. <laughs> that's,
1: that's good entertainment right there.
0: Jack and Greg are funny as fuck. They really are. Uh, yeah. they're, they're great people and, and they're super funny. I'm,
1: I'm glad uh, Greg befriended me on that patio with his two martinis.
0: Right. So uh, now he's very particular about his drinks, right? Like he he, and yeah. he, he, down to the order. He's talked about this. So that, that in fact is true. I know he's a good tipper, right? Yeah, um, but but maybe- I could tell
1: he was a professional diner right away. Right away. From the order to the tipping. And I don't mind a particular dude. Like he's particular about what he wants. But if he pays me for it, I don't care. There's nothing worse than the dude hitting on me, sexually harassing me, send me back for seven sides of ranch, and then tipping me two dollars on like seventy-five. Like if you tip me, there's nothing I won't do for you. Like you know, if you make it rain, I'll ne- I'm never right. under the weather, basically. Well,
0: fuck that guy. You can get ranch <laughs> seven times. You can take your rants and shove it up your ass, right? Yeah.
1: But whatever you need, tell me all in one sentence. Like, <laughs> it's, really, it's really an easy thing to do, um, but I think a lot of them are, like, they get off on seeing you run around, you know? Greg is not one of these people.
0: Yes, he's, he's very particular. Yes, he's wonderful. We love mm-hmm. Greg. Um,
1: There's nothing worse than dude being like don't you remember me? I'm like, give me something to remember you by. Like I remembered Greg because he tipped fat and he knew, and he knew what he wanted. And like, that's the kind of diner we want. You know, I would say, bring on the businessman. And I was like, this guy's somebody or somebody who's eaten in a restaurant before. And that's so little things.
0: He is. He's great. And he's got a heart of gold and um, he'd do anything for anybody.
1: Super awesome guy. He's a really nice guy. Super
0: nice. He does. He wants you to think he's not a nice guy, but he's a nice guy. So Anna, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: No problem. Mr. And Moscato, anytime. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Big.
0: <laughs> it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll hope to maybe get you back on the show sometime in the future to help us answer some other questions. How's that sound?
1: I'd love it. I'd love it. <laughs> be good. Be safe, kids. Be good or be good at it. Be good or be good at it. I can't talk anymore.
0: <laughs> wonderful. Okay. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Aloha and mahalo. Alfida Zayn. Cheers. Thank you.